Good morning again. I think all the heat in New Brunswick is in this room. <laughs> if you doze off, that's fine. Just don't fall out of your chair. In our church, we have the same basic chairs, except we have armrests, which help you stay in. So if you doze off, you don't completely fall out. It's very helpful. I'd like to talk about our camp just for a second, because our primary reason for being here is camp recruiting. But I get the feeling that most of you are already sucked up into something or other going to Texas, or going to Bermuda, or, or wherever you're going. Um, but if some of you have a burden for Quebec and aren't already committed to something, we'd love to talk to you. If you have any expertise around horses, we would love to talk to you, because uh, a good chunk of our ministry involves horses. So anyway, uh, we, we started a couple years ago at day camp. We were primarily residential, and we're, you know what, the residential camps are... I would say across North America is struggling a bit because the whole culture is shifting and changing and, and parents are more concerned about sending their kids overnight somewhere. But day camp is coming on strong. So we have a day camp for younger kids, ages 5 to 9. It's the coolest thing ever. The reason I say that is when we get the kids, especially from our region, where God is just not even in our culture. The, the, the concept of God is not even in our culture. But we get these seven-year-old kids, and we start to share Bible stories with them, and this is their very first introduction to the idea that there may be a God, or that there is a God, I shouldn't say maybe a God, that there is a God. And, and as we go through the Bible stories, you're just like, whoa, that is so neat, that is so cool. They've never heard the stories. If you grew up in Sunday school, you know, you grew up with the stories, and you heard them over and over again. For these kids, the story of Noah and the ark this is the first time they're hearing it. You know, they've heard the name of Jesus before, but it's, they always assumed it was a swear word that their parents used. They had no idea that there was actually a person named Jesus. It's the coolest thing ever to, to take these kids, and it's growing quickly through our community in a day camp setting, and for the very first time, have the opportunity of sharing the gospel with them. Now, my daughter, Jen, is, is in charge of our day camp. And kind of as we started, it was kind of an off thing. And, and, and as we had extra staff, I would kind of throw them to her. And says, here, we, we really don't need this staff. No, no offense, Jess. But there's a couple of key people, but this one's going to Bermuda. But anyway, uh, a couple, we would throw them to Jen and say, Jen, here's, here, do, do the day camp with this staff. And, and after last year, honestly, day camp is becoming a large part of our camp. And Jen's going, all right, Dad, you got you to up the ante on the staff here. We need some good, solid day camp staff. And, and quite honestly, day camp is even harder than residential camp. They get totally exhausted running around after seven-year-olds all day long. But uh, it's a good time, and, and we are looking for some help in that area. It's a huge challenge. It's the opportunity to introduce our Lord to someone who has never, ever heard it before and has a heart ready to receive it. The, the results are just amazing. So if you have any burden for Quebec, if you'd like to come, you do not need to know French. We will teach it to you. We have a one-day crash course. Uh, <laughs> at the end of the day, you'll be totally fluent in French. It's only taken me 15 years to do the day course, and I still haven't got it, but uh, yeah. <laughs> Yesterday, um, as we were talking, I, I spoke a little bit about sickness. I still hear some coughing, and, and we talked about you know, our colds and, and all the symptoms and stuff. And I talked a little bit about the church and some of the symptoms within a church that Maybe there's a virus or maybe there's a cold. And, and I have to say that every church has it. 
Every church has it because it's filled with sinful people. And, and, and even just in our natural state, we get into trouble. And so it's a constant battle within a church. Uh, before I went to the camp ministry, I was a church leader. And it's a constant struggle as church leaders to keep bringing the church back to where it belongs. You know, it's almost a, a, a weekly process when we get together. It's like, okay, we're, we're not going to drift over there. We've got to keep coming back to the cross of Jesus Christ. We have to keep coming back to the focus of what we're all about here. And, and it's the very same situation in our personal lives. And so, so today we're, I'm going to do a little, little study with you, um, or a little quiz thing here. We can do a little Q&A. What does it look like when you and I as Christians have the spiritual flu, or a spiritual cold, or, or things just aren't right in our life? What, 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 what do our lives look like? What starts to happen? Well, I can talk from experience. The first thing that we get occupied with is our thoughts. What's going on in your head? And, that, and that's only between you and the Lord. I can't read your thoughts. You can't read my thoughts. But it's between you and the Lord. What do you spend your time thinking about? What do you spend your time thinking about? Is your thought life occupied with the world? and the stuff that's going on in the world. Is that, is that what starts taking up all of your mental energy? If that's the case, you're on your first step to the spiritual flu because that's where the battle begins. Let, let me encourage you in this. Uh, I've been, I was saved in 1964. That's well before most of you were born. And, and I have to say, as you get older as a Christian and you move through life, it gets harder. The thought life battle gets harder. I think if you talk to the older Christians here, they will agree with me that at your point now, it's easier than when you get to my point. It gets harder and harder as you go along. That's where the battle rages for your spiritual life is in your thought life. It does not go away. It does not get easier. You will have that battle your entire life. Sorry, that's reality. But it's a struggle. It's a battle that you have to wrestle with. And the, and the first step or the first little slippery slide to the spiritual flu, if you want to call that, is what are your thoughts being occupied with? Uh, if they're occupied with good things, with, with the Lord and, and, and the goodness that he gives you, you, know, you don't have to be you know, walking around thinking about Bible verses all the time. But you know, where, where's your thought life going? The, the second one is what's occupying your time? So your time follows shortly right after your thought life. What is occupying your time? Over a course of a, a day, you have, what, 16 hours or so to do stuff. What are you doing? And, and I encourage you to take a really good look at that because time is something that slips away. You can never get it back. You can't buy a second of it. It's there and it's gone. What are you doing with your time? Now, Satan is very, very effective of rendering your time useless. It's, he's, he's great at it. He's, I would have to say in Christianity in North America, this is one area that Satan has excelled in his occupying of our time. We have video games. How many here like to play video games? How many here are lying? <laughs> 
Video games. Uh, it's, it's something at Bible school, maybe you don't let them have here. But, but even as our staff comes to camp, oftentimes the conversation is, have, have you played this game? Have you played that game? Have you tried this? I'm at this level on this game. And it's all very exciting. But you know what? That takes incredible amounts of time to play those silly things. And, and you know, you're playing along and it's all good. I'm going to play this for 10 minutes and you know, maybe that's fine. And Oh, one more round. Oh, shoot. I almost had it. Oh, if I do it again, ninja fruit, you know. <laughs> oh, dude. I can do it next time. <laughs> I've never played ninja fruit. I'm not coordinated enough, but I watched my family play it. And, uh, <laughs> you know, you know how it goes. You know, you're ninja fruiting for, you know, I'm just going to play this twice. And, you know, by the 30th game, you're like, oh. <laughs> but, but it just sucks your time in. And, and Satan has filled our world with time consumers that basically render us neutral, uneffective in our Christian walk. So be careful. Time our thoughts, and then it kind of slips into time, and we're well on our way to a spiritual flu or a spiritual cold. The, the next one that has slipped in is laziness. Pure and simple, and eh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to sit back here in my easy chair and, or whatever it is that I'm doing, because that whole Christian thing, that is just way too hard. Let's turn real quick to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And Paul, Paul's writing here. Um, in chapter 3. We put no... Chapter 6, verse 3. We put no stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way in great endurance, in troubles, hardships, and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments, and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger, in purity, understanding patience and kindness in the Holy Spirit, and in sincere love, in truthful speech, and in the power of God." We'll stop there for now. Hungry. I, I don't go hungry very often. You can tell that. Um, sleepless nights, sometimes. Um, you know, hard work, yeah. Yeah, we do that at camp. Um, the, the Christian experience is, is one that you, you really have to work at. It's, it should be hard. It doesn't have to be hard in the sense that it's unnecessarily difficult. But to do the work of God takes a fair bit of energy. And you have to get out of bed. And you have to get at it. You have to get at it. It's difficult in a room here where it's nice and toasty warm because everyone's really comfortable. But you have to get at it. And, and do not let laziness or a few, uh, a little bit of comfort slip in and rob you of what the Lord has in, intended for you. You know, have you had sleepless nights? Or have you spent the night sleepless because you were praying all night? You know, have you been so busy for the Lord that you've missed a meal or two along the way? I, I, you know, have you, have you exhausted yourself? One thing I will guarantee you 
if you come to camp this summer, I will guarantee you some sleepless nights. I will guarantee, well, we have pretty good food, so that, actually we have really good food. Jess's mother's to cook. We have really good food. Um, I will guarantee you sleepless nights. I will guarantee you hard work. And I will guarantee you after a week or two, I will guarantee you total exhaustion from service for the Lord. That I will guarantee you. Because uh, it's hard work. Winning souls is hard work. And so, so let me encourage you to watch for laziness. That's another indication of spiritual flu is just like, eh, you know what, that's just a little bit too hard. That little bit extra is just a little bit too difficult. I don't want to do that. Witnessing. Witnessing. The next thing that kind of, one of the things that kind of slides is my personal witness. Am I actively looking for people to share the gospel with? Even if your gift is not evangelism. We'll talk about those people. They're a little bit different later on. Even if your gift is not evangelism, is there anybody in your life that you're really burdened about? Maybe a family member, maybe a neighbor, maybe a schoolmate of yours back in high school. There should be. There should be some people in your life that your heart is just breaking about because they're on their way to hell. And you should be in earnest prayer for those people. If, if you're here as a student and, and the unsaved isn't even in your mind or it's way back there somewhere and you don't have any unbelievers on your prayer list that you're urgently praying for, that's an indication that you got the spiritual flu, that something's not quite right. Because, you see, when our Lord came, that was when, when we model ourselves after him, that's where he spent his time, on the streets. That's where he spent his time. Oftentimes we tend to, to back off from that whole on the streets thing and spend more time around other Christians because that whole street thing, that's really messy. So are you, are you witnessing? Are you have praying for the unsaved? Let, let me just encourage you, if, if you aren't doing this, start with five people. Pick five people that, that you know that are not Christians, that are in your life, and pray for them every day for salvation. You know, if you're away at school, you're not going to see them until you get home in the spring, but pray that when you get home, the Lord will give you opportunity to share about what you've been doing here at school with them or, or something about the Lord. But pick some people and start praying for them every single day. And then finally, in the spiritual flu, a lack of love or compassion, both for you know, the people sitting next to you, the people who fellowship with you on Sunday morning, your neighbors. You know, it's the, whole, the whole love thing is just gone. In Matthew 24, you know, a sign of the end times is that because of wickedness, the people's love is going to grow cold. And that is certainly our society. People's love, their compassion for one another is going cold. And uh, so don't let that seep into your life. If, if you see these conditions coming in, you got the spiritual flu. And you're a sick Christian. And you need to get better. And it's easy to get better. It really is. You, you confess to the Lord your situation. And he restores you right away. Get back into the word, get back into prayer, get back into fellowship, and you're off and running again. See, unfortunately, with our physical flus, they drag on and on and on. The spiritual flu, we can get it over with in a relatively short amount of time and get moving again. Let me encourage you that it's possible that maybe you should have an accountability partner. Someone that says to you, um, uh, you have a problem. 
Someone that you trust, someone that you love, someone that says, you're not doing so good, you need to do better. And really gives you a bit of a bump in the right direction. Just accountability. And uh, let me encourage you to do that. There's a, a man who uh, lives a little bit south of us a couple years ago that said to me, Greg, you're doing a great ministry, you're not doing good enough. And I was like, I'm not doing good enough? What do, what do you mean I'm not doing good enough? We're doing amazing stuff. He says, no, you're not doing good enough. You need to do more. It's like, really? And it's someone I highly respect, so I actually listen to him. And, and, and hence the whole, one of the, the kickoff to our whole mentoring thing and, and all the other stuff was, was part of that conversation of you could do more. So you need someone in your life who you respect, who you trust, that can, yeah, you can do better. Get going. Um, so let me encourage you to, to find that type of person. Now, talk a couple of general areas. Our prayer time is very important. One of the indications that you're spiritually healthy is that your prayer time is the best time of the day. It's a time when you just, uh, for lack of better words, you hang out with God. It's just, you know, there's nothing contrived. It's just you and the Lord, and you're spilling your heart out before the Lord, and, and, and he's just there listening to you, and he's thrilled to be there listening to you. Your prayer time should be like the best time of the day. That's an indication that you're spiritually healthy. And, and, and you guard that time, and, and you make sure that, that it's precious, that time is set aside and precious. The other things that you've got to work on here is just spiritual gifts. One of our responsibilities is building up the church. How, how many of you have seen or maybe heard of that whole crocodile hunter thing from Australia? We do these stupid skits at camp with the the crocodile hunter. Yeah, you guys know about this? You know, the guy is looking around in the weeds and the bushes looking for crocodiles. Let me challenge you. If you have a spiritual gift of helps, maybe I'm sure some of you in here have this. When you go to church on Sunday, you are the crocodile hunter. You walk into church on Sunday and you're looking around. There's probably somebody here who needs help. And my mission this morning, you can pray this before we get to church, Lord, show me somebody that I can help today. And so you go to church, you show up there, rather than looking to get something out of church, which a lot of folks do, you're there with the gift of helps and you're looking around the audience and you're going, somebody needs help and I'm going to find them. And you track them down and the Lord brings you to a conversation. Ah, this person needs a ride to the doctors. This person needs something, whatever it is, but you find them, and you help them. You do it every Sunday. If you have the gift of giving, some of you may have that. Let me encourage you, when you go to church on Sunday, stuff an extra 20 in your pocket. Or if you're coming to my church, you can put a couple 20s in your pocket. But, you know, you you put it, because you know what? At church this Sunday, there's going to be somebody there who needs groceries. Or there's gonna need, someone is going to need something financially. And I'm going to church this Sunday, and I'm going to find them. And I'm going to lay this 20 on them. Or if they need more, I'm going to help them with that. But when I go to church today, I'm looking for them. Lord, show me, lead me to a person today that I can help and give this money to. If you have the gift of encouraging, encouragement, there's a little English church down the road from us. And there's an old farmer guy who greets you at the door. He's got a paw that's about this big. 
he has a spiritual gift of encouragement. The best thing about going to that church, and it's a confession, for me, the best thing about going to church is you open the door and this gigantic paw envelops your hand. And Stan says, good morning. And you know he means it from his heart. He has the gift of encouragement. And just being with him is just like, this is the best thing ever. Because he's an encourager. That's what he goes to church for. He goes to church to encourage. So, so if you have the gift of encouragement, you know, shake everybody's hand, learn their names. You know, when you get there, look around. Does anybody look a little bit down this morning? You know, and you, you look for them and you hunt them out and you find them. You say, Lord, when I go to church this morning, show me someone that needs encouragement. And I'm going to find them and I'm going to encourage them. And the list goes on. You know, if you have the, the gift of administration, you know, you go to church and maybe, I don't know, whatever, you straighten out the kitchen, you find someone whose life who needs a little help or whatever. But you, you know what your gifts are? You, got, you have to mentally say, this, no, this is what I'm gifted with. I'm gifted with administration, and I'm gifted, I think, with evangelism, so people tell me, which makes me the absolute worst person in church. Because uh, I tell people right up, like we come to school here, and my daughter says, Dad, when you go to church, you're like a sports scout. You know, you're going to church, and, and I'm looking around, and I'm going, who here can we possibly use to share, help share the gospel? And I'm looking around at church going, ah, I think that, maybe that person, maybe that person. So after church, I go to them, hi, how you doing? Would you like to come help us share gospel with kids? <laughs> God says, you're like a sports scout. You're looking around church all the time trying to find someone to come help you share the gospel. That's what I do. I'm sorry. When I go to church, going to a church, going to a school, I'm looking around for someone who has a passion for sharing the gospel. That's what I do. That's, yeah, I have evangelism and administration. For those of you who have the gift of evangelism, I'm sorry. See, because for, for the rest of the folks, it, it mainly works at church. For you, the crocodile hunter happens every time you step out your front door. You know, it's, it's, you don't necessarily need so much the gift of evangelism at church, because most of them are probably already saved. But every time you walk out your front door, you're like, oh, look at this. There's a world of unsafe people out here. You go to Costco and there's like 10,000 unsafe people at Costco. <laughs> and you're like, oh, look at this. <laughs> Lord, show me somebody. It happened, yeah, if you have to get the evangelism, it's never ending. I'm sorry. Uh, it just, it's just the way it happens. Um, Pat and I had our 32nd anniversary uh, last year. It was very exciting. Married 32 years. It seems like yesterday. She's more beautiful than ever. But anyway, so, so we, we had our anniversary. We, so we, someone gave us some money. So we went out to a nice dinner. And, and we're, we're sitting there having dinner. And, and we're talking. And, the, the, and we had just started the whole, I think we were two times into our, our horse, after-school horse thing with the Bible study. And we were just so excited to see what God was doing. We're sitting there just talking with each other about what God is doing um, in, in our community. And before you know it, at, on our anniversary dinner, we're planning a Christmas party where, we'll have the, where we're trying to align and set up the opportunity to share the gospel with the entire family. Our entire anniversary dinner was consumed as a planning operation for a Christmas party so that we could share the gospel with the families of these kids who are coming. And then we finished that dinner and we're like, what was that? <laughs> Happy anniversary. If, if, 
if you have the gift of evangelism, I'm sorry. It, it's going to consume your life because it, it's just, it becomes such a passion. And, and it's all good. You know, what, what better way, you know, we think about our married life, what, what better place to possibly be in is to have, de- have your life dedicated to sharing the gospel with kids. It doesn't get any better. So, so let me encourage you, as, as one of the things that God wants you to do, spiritual wholeness, if you want to call it that, wellness, is whatever your spiritual gift is, be ready. You know, be ready. Because if you, if you don't prepare yourself, nothing ever happens. Opportunities just kind of come and they go. And if you have the gift of giving and you don't have the 20 bucks in your pocket, these person, people do need a bag of groceries, what are you going to do? You haven't got it. So, so be ready. Be ready to help. Have, have, if you have the gift of helps, make some time in your schedule where you're going to be ready to help. That's the other thing that, that Satan's good at. We're very, very, very busy people. And sometimes we just don't have time to be Christians because we're so busy. Be careful. Yeah, Paul worked hard at serving the Lord. But be careful that the things of the world don't clutter your life up so much and that you're so busy that you don't have time. And our time is done. So anyway, I hope I encouraged you a little bit. Watch your life carefully. Even when you're at Bible school, I was a Bible school student once myself back in 1976. Once again, probably before most of you were born. And it's very easy to be at Bible school and be carnal. Miss the whole thing. And so be careful. And study hard. And and be careful with your life. Look at your gifts and plan for them. Let's close in prayer. Gracious God, our Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you're a God of love, that you're a God of compassion, that you love people. I pray for these students as they study your word, that their, their minds might be open, that their hearts should be open to receive it. And as they go from here, may they go uh, trained and skilled at serving you. Um, we pray that you would lead each of them in the direction that you would have them go and that they would see your leading in their lives and follow after you with their whole hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.